Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Strong Christian Female Podcast. I'm your host, Charity, and this is a community of women who want to be warriors for Jesus Christ. We are kicking off the desire to be comfortable and embracing a wholehearted abandonment to Him alone. Not through legalism, not through works, but through His grace and mercy. We're going to overcome the lies of this culture and replace them with the eternal truth of God's Word. So. Whether you're a student, a stay-at-home mom, a grandma, an entrepreneur, whether you're new to the walk of Christianity, or a veteran spiritual warrior, you are welcome here. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is the Strong Christian Female Podcast, as it just said. And I want to welcome everybody just if you've if this may be your first time listening or you've listened to a couple and now you've arrived here starting from the most recent one and backing up i just want to encourage you you know the word of god is never out of style it is never out of relevance it is never out of time the truths we hope to teach on this podcast are not stuck in time they are eternal so if you haven't listened to everything and you think gosh i listened to one of these and uh, it's pretty good then go back and listen to the rest and share them with a friend. I actually asked someone to listen to the podcast for, you know, just some more technical things. And she was so kind. She was like, I've listened to three of these now. And and it's it's reiterating things I've been listening to at church or some things that I've been feeling in my spirit. And, and um, I'm enjoying it. So that's super flattering. But also, you know, it's not me. It really is the Word of God. We're just reminding ourselves on this podcast what the Word of God says, despite the cultural lies that are swirling around us. And we want to encourage other people to do the same. You know, fear is a liar, and there's so many lies out there. And Satan is the prince of this world, and he is the prince of lies. So we want to be reminded on a daily basis who our real enemy is, which is not people. It's not even the people in the government. It's our true enemy, which the Bible calls Satan or Lucifer. And and again, I don't want to talk too much about that guy, but the lies that prevail in our society are just a fruit of a society that desperately needs to come back to Christ. And that includes in the church. And we talk a lot about what's going on in the church because there's always going to be lies in the world. I mean, the world is basically run by lies, but the church shouldn't be. So that's really what we're doing is we're identifying, "Mm, man, is that lie in my life? Lord, reveal that to me. I don't want that lie in my life. And it may be a lie that you were taught, a lie that someone told you. But, you know, for me, a lot of what we do on this podcast, it's not everything we do, is we just discuss these lies that are in culture today and how to identify them and how to undo them. And that God's Bible addresses all of them, the root of them anyway. He may not address the exact lie, but the root of all those lies is pretty eternal. And so the those eternal lies, those not ending humanity, human-centric, arrogant lies that we've either come up with on our own, yay us, or that the devil has planted into our society and we just continue to just repackage it. And we as the church need to identify it and kick it out of our lives. So the lie we're going to talk about today, or at least start today, is a big one. Um, it's what I call in, in the book I've written, The Lie of Cerebral Currency. And this section of that chapter is just talking about, you know, it's the beginning of a discussion about intellectual blindness. So it sounds heavy. It's not. And it's not super hoity-toity. Um, and man, there's either a chickadee. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Or or some sort of woodpecker trying to figure out a way into my, my room here. Maybe he'll stop. Yeah, he stopped. Okay. But if you hear a little bit of tap-tap-tapping in the background, it's not me tap-dancing. 
Um, that's some sort of bird trying to get bugs or uh, make a new home in my room. And if it's too bad, I will shush him away. But if not, we're going to just forge on and hope that he stops. So we're just going to start with a reading. And the reason is, is it just collects my thoughts, keeps me on track, which I'm sure all of you appreciate. And then we're going to just talk a little bit about it. We sometimes divide this up. If it goes too long, this will be in two sections this week. Otherwise, I think a lot of people have been just liking the one longer one um, and them just deciding if they want to listen to the second half later. But again, if you see this as part one and two, you know why, because it's, it's a big, big, chunk that we're biting off today because the concept is so prevalent in our society. So without further ado, let's get started. Growing up, I was good at school. No matter what obstacles my home life presented, I had focus, mental capacity, and work ethic to make good grades. Set an academic goal for me to reach, and I could most likely reach it. Unlike my highly capable dad who grew up in a world where his learning challenges were not understood, I didn't need assistance to see the foundational building blocks of general topics. Like most people I knew, I understood most concepts, and if not, I could Encyclopedia Britannica my way to a basic understanding. Now, for those who have never had life without the internet, let me explain. Once upon a time, before people could simply go online and find information, we went into physical buildings known as libraries, and we sought out volumes of tangible books pertaining to varying topics which fit into the world we were trying to understand. There, we had to do our research in books and microfiche articles and occasionally watch a VHS tape to fully understand the subjects we wanted to learn more about. We made handy lists, known as bibliographies, to prove where we found our information, and we relied on facts, not opinions, to form our points of view. And we were often questioned on our point of view by our teachers who were looking for us to not only understand, but present our information in a way that was solidified in truth. Now, with this foundation of knowledge on how to research truth and facts, I continued in my educational quests. I knew that there was a clear difference between facts and opinions, and that not all topics were factual as much as they were opinions. They were subjective. However, objective truth was always at the forefront of my learning. In my academic endeavors, feelings were not often relevant when talking about topics that influenced culture. Being around smarty types was never something I shied away from, if they were able to communicate without a huge chip on their shoulder. And in middle school and high school, most of the time they didn't. The students I worked alongside were highly ambitious, but they were also very approachable. Each of us had high expectations of ourselves, both academically and in our daily lives. We sought achievement and we did not embrace excuses. Much of this was good. Some of this was not so good. The good was that we had high standards, pushing ourselves to learn more, ask more, reach for more. We also had a passion to learn, and we were willing to discuss what we found to be true and expand on other people's knowledge. These were all good things, but with most good things, there can be a bad side. The bad side was that while being confident in what we knew through research and trial and error, if no one challenged us or expanded our learning or introduced new information, we could eventually become rigid in our thinking, no longer pliable to new ideas. Now, I'm not talking about recreational activities like sports or hanging out with friends where there's always room to learn something new. I mean, in our knowledge of facts and figures, intellectual concepts. Once we felt we had come to an understanding of a thing, the end of the road, so to speak, we often simply stopped delving into the idea that there could be more to learn. We could become so confident in our knowledge that pliability and understanding soon turned into rigid absolutism and control of what we had shown to be true. And while confidence in what you know is good, 
This rigid way of thinking often led us to leave the idea of exploration behind and instead settle for the structured world of sedentary thinking. No longer did we seek to understand or see if there was more to learn. No more was there an element of fundamental doubt in our way of learning. No skepticism, healthy skepticism, was even present at times. We had come to the end of the road. So instead of leaning into the idea of there could be more, we leaned back on the assumption that our way of thinking was complete in and of itself. Now, take this way of thinking and move into the world of the Christian church. Take that same work ethic, that same desire to learn, and the same cerebral pursuit. And you often get many people who have reached whatever end of the road they find themselves in with concepts and understandings on theological issues. They know all they need to know. They have arrived at understanding the Christian faith, and they stop there. They plant their stake, make their house, move into it, and they never budge. After all, what more is there to learn? They have access to the Greek and Hebrew writings of the Bible. They have their biblical reference guides. They have various translations of the Bible. They have their seminary degree or Bible school degree or conference passes galore. They have arrived at the understanding level equivalent of college professors. In fact, many are college professors. There is no doubt they know a lot about a lot of biblical writings, and they are set, rigid, unmoving. But the problem isn't that they are unflappable in their Christian knowledge, although they often are. It's that they have left no room for doubt in what they have concluded by their own reasoning to be true. Their carefully collected facts have created a neatly organized house of thought. This cerebral-based way of approaching the gospel with its clear structure often leads no room for doubt or questioning or further exploration. And this lack of willingness to move can sever the cord to faith and personal relationship because a living, breathing God is not one that can be boxed into the mind of any man or woman, no matter how great. Yes, the Bible is necessary to help us understand the nature of God and learn about how to follow him. It contains his law and the boundaries he sets for us. It also contains stories that will reflect events in his nature. There is no question the Bible is a foundational staple in the life of every Christian believer and follower of Jesus. And you absolutely should read it and study it regularly and often. The same goes for church history and archaeology. I mean, learn all you can, by all means. The validity of the gospel is proven over and over and over when you research these things, which is wonderful to know. However, to reach a point in your Christian walk where you eliminate your questions, your curiosity, or desire for more of God himself is to arrive at a place where you think you know most of all there is to know and understand about him. For some, this can be a mental checkmark in our walk with God. For others, it's just a destination we found ourselves in after years of knowing about God, going to church, learning from apologetics, and listening to teachings on the Christian philosophy many churches carry as a mantra. However, this point in our faith walk, should you ever arrive there, is less a marker of your relationship with God than a marker of your relationship with the Bible, sermons, Christian books, and church songs. It rarely reflects a relationship with the creator of the universe, unless that relationship is purely one-sided. After all, many know about God, but do they know God himself? When you establish the idea that you have full understanding of God or that your human mind is fully capable of grasping all God is or all he has done for you on earth, you fool yourself and you isolate yourself from his very nature. Knowledge, the gathering of information, is just a springboard to seek more understanding or to reveal truths about the subject at hand. It is certainly not, in God's case, the end of understanding itself. 
It is the key to opening the door to the vast universe of his never-endingness. To think that we can comprehend the God of the universe and all his ways is at the very basic level arrogance, and at a more profound level, teetering on the brink of atheism or idolatry. After all, if we can imagine the end of God, and we think we fully understand him in our minds, we have simply created a God we are comfortable with, which I assure you is not the God of the Bible, and we have, therefore, made a little g God that does not exist. It is a false God, an idol. Our selfish nature assumes that we can attain wisdom through facts and knowledge, and that we can keep God on a page in a book, or that we can learn information and find an equivalent substitute in our direct society around us. We assume that reading alone with our limited understanding of the universe, humanity, and God himself is all we need to do to get God. Our schooling in him is attained through work ethic, mental capacity, and focused discipline, or from checking off the rules laid down in the Bible, as if we're taking a life skills test and hope to pass it by knowing the right answer at the right time. But these very things that help achieve so many wonderful goals on earth can be the very barriers to really knowing the living, breathing, omnipotent, omnipresent, eternal God, Yahweh. Even with our libraries of facts, we allow our fear of doubt, our reliance on earthly limitations or theories, or our multiple choice answer instincts to stop us from venturing further and further into faith and the constant exploration of God through relationship. We've become set in our ways, our routines, our comforts, and at some point, we are not comfortable anymore with admitting we don't know all there is to know. This scares us to some degree. Not knowing everything has made our society insecure on some level. After all, we should be able to explain the world and the cosmos by simply learning more information, often with little regard to whom or where this information comes from, and with no personal follow-up or self-study to find out what source or what basis these facts were established in the first place. And if we don't, we simply do what Charles Darwin did and assume that some link of understanding will be found later in the future so you can kind of make up whatever you want. Which, by the way, neither Darwin nor his followers have ever found the missing link that held all of his theories together. Which, if you make a natural scientific assumption, his theories aren't theories. They're hypotheses that have been disproven, as far as we know, by all discovery we've made. But that's another topic for another day. The truth is, even as eternal beings, we will never fully know all there is to know about God. Because he is far above our understanding. And even if we did know about him, that knowledge would only perpetuate us to want to fall to our knees and worship him and his greatness and glory. Yet we struggle to unlatch the neat boxes our society has put God in because, well, those boxes are easy to fit into our lives. Unlatch that box and you may be forced to let God envelop your life rather than the other way around. Perhaps this arrogance in our knowledge or self-assurance in facts comes because we live in a culture where people believe they are gods. They worship themselves and their minds, their bodies, their careers, their family relationships, their possessions, their vacations. Or perhaps it's because we're fearful, as good churchgoers and nice people, to admit that we are doubtful of what we think we know, or at least doubtful of being completely resolute in all we know. Because what will people in our church think of us if we are ignorant in what seems to be, quote, common Christian knowledge? And we think these things for good reason. To admit doubt seems to admit lack of faith. However, it is in that doubt that not knowing for sure that faith can spring up. It is in that doubt that God can reach you because you continue to reach out for him. Your admitted not knowing 
is the very place God has the opportunity to take you by the hand, or in my case, knock you on your backside, and actually talk to you. It is when you can wrestle out your doubt that your never-ending journey with Him begins. And this part is key. We must remember that we are on a journey with God. That journey doesn't stop now in this life on earth. We are already living in eternity, and this adventure with God is going to last forever. And maybe that's why people stop exploring God and who He is through personal relationship. They're tired of the journey. They don't want to truly embrace that we're in an eternal spiritual walk. They don't want to seek His ways because His ways are not comfortable or convenient or easy or understandable. His ways are not the ways of man. And so many of us have simply arrived at our cerebral destination. We know all there really is to know and all there needs to be known about the Christian faith. From here on out, it's just lapping circles around the track of life. We are settled. We are set. We are secure in our concepts and thoughts. And yet, what about the Holy Spirit? What about personal daily relationship? What about the reality that God, the God of the universe, wants to be a part of your life forever. Now, it's at this point I do feel I need to interject a qualifier to what I'm talking about. I am not saying that our further explanation of God means in any way that the Bible is undone. We do not change the Bible ever to fit our self-justification for sin or to create a version of the gospel that is simply not there. We don't arrogantly bend his ways or his omnipotence to our place in history and dismiss his foundational truths set up in our lives simply because we feel like our circumstances, our lives, our historical events are unique to this entire existence of mankind up to this point. Which, by the way, excluding technological advances, human history and human nature are pretty much on a constant cycle of repeat. Human nature has never ever changed, ever. And neither has God. Now, what I'm saying is that you can step out constantly into this world of doubt of your own understanding, reaching for faith and the living God through his Holy Spirit to help guide you. To not know everything and admit that you do not know everything is the essence of all faith. And faith is necessary to please God, and it's necessary to know him more. Faith is the childlike exploration and zeal we need to further our full relationship with the creator of the universe. A universe, by the way, that we can have so little knowledge about. And this universe with its planets and beings is only one small construct of God's creativity and his nature. And we can no longer go on living a life where we see God through our subjectivity or our cerebral limitations. Because those two things absolutely sever the desire for true relationship with God. Because it puts the relationship on your terms, not his. Okay, so by saying our version of life, our experiences, our opinions, our subjective application to what we've learned about him, to say all of that is how God actually is, creates a noted distance between us and him. And similarly, saying our cerebral understanding, which is far limited in its nature and comprehension of eternal spiritual matters, is also who or how God actually is, puts God into boundaries we create for him to exist. We must never assume that our geographical or historical location alters God's nature, his being, or his will for humanity. In this fact alone, we can spend our lives seeking him to gain wisdom and insight into his nature. Why did he create us for this time? Who were others used of God, even with their own failings as humans? Why did God choose broken, imperfect people to carry out his will? 
Why does it seem he doesn't intervene when evil seems to rule? In short, we need to see our walk with God as a never-ending adventure of discovery, one not full of our agenda or where our brains want to stop or our stubbornness. Like a child, we should take on life with excitement, zeal, and wide-eyed expectation and trust. God is our father, our protector, our guardian, the lover of our soul, and our disciplinarian. And Jesus, God is our brother and our friend. And the Holy Spirit, he is our comforter, our conviction, and the revealer of God's nature. God loves us. He wants to be with us. But he also wants us to want to be with him. Are you willing to break free from your knowledge-built box and jump into the freedom of daily relationship and love? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit come into your life and take you through life without you knowing just what he will ask of you? Are you willing to follow Jesus and get to know him, not just know about him? If so, get ready. He is about to shake you out of your comfort zone. Okay, y'all, that was a lot to chew on. Uh, it was a lot to say to, uh, you know, some things on the written page are so much better read than said out loud. It becomes a little bit of a tongue twister at times. So thank you for sticking that out with me. As I mentioned earlier, if it goes a little long, we're going to do this in two parts. So I'm going to go ahead and do this in two parts just to honor your time. Please look for part two. You guys, we have some great stuff to dive into about this. I just have some stuff I want to tell you about my life and also what scripture says so that you can bring everything we talked about today into the reality of what we're facing, not only in our culture, but in our everyday lives concerning healing, concerning walking with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. It's such a great springboard into where are we limiting God and where in the world is he wanting us to jump in with both feet and be all in. So look for that in just like a day or two. It won't, it won't be next week. It will be a follow-up to this very soon. Okay, see you then.